A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Ausbiz uh, Live from our Brangaroo Studios for the call. 10 stocks picked by you, and I put them to our expert panel. We do it all in one hour. Uh, let's bring in the uh, the experts. Michael Wayne from Medallion Financial, back from the Rugby World Cup, <laughs> and his baby moon with a whole bunch of mates. That's, <laughs> a, that's romantic, Michael, they were, isn't it? They were there, and we sort of met up into the <laughs> <laughs> We did spend the whole time with them. Oh, we had a good oh, fun, though. Lucky the beard. Yeah, try something new before yeah. the baby comes, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah otherwise, exactly. it won't recognise me. Change of life. Uh, and Francesco Destratus from Orbit is with us as well. Francesco, good to see you. Good to see you, David. You won't get a beard out of me. No. <laughs> I once did um, Movember while I was doing Sunrise and about a week into it, uh, my boss then, David Leckie, rang me up and said, get, get rid, rid of, of that, you look like, <laughs> you look like a cross between a terrorist and a, you know, a crook. I won't use his exact words. I said, mate, it's for a charity. So you've got to put up with it for another three weeks. Maybe I'll have a head start. Yeah, yeah, mate, uh, you wear it much better than I do, that's for sure. All right, uh, let's get straight into a lot of things to uh, talk about today. Uh, first five stocks that you do, you have asked us to have a look at. PointsBet, uh, Santos, uh, BetaShares Australia 200 ETF, and Macquarie Group and Aristocrat Leisure. Uh, stock of the day, which is um, a stock I always uh, throw in, that's in the news, Bank of Queensland. Shares under pressure today as the lender flags continued pressure on revenue and margins as well as increasing risk into FY24 due to the elevated cost of living and higher interest rates. This as it posts a 70% slide in four-year net profit to 124 million. Net interest margin, 1.69%. Revenue slightly higher, 1.76 billion. Uh, cash earnings at 450 million. Dividend cut with 21 cents a share payout declared down from 24 cents a year earlier. Um, Michael Wayne, is this a, a um, precursor of things to come for the banks? Possibly. Um, they've all sort of flagged the, the increased competition that's out there. So although they are getting a bit of a, a tailwind in their favour from the rising net interest margins, competition's high at a time when credit growth is low. Um, if you look back to sort of the early 2000s in this country, credit growth was well above sort of 15%. Um, these days, it's more or less, you know, between 5 and 7%, and it's been trending lower, as you can imagine, with interest rates higher, um, borrowing capacity is lower, so it's harder for people yep. to keep taking on more debt in a higher interest rate environment, not to mention people are already fairly indebted. So there, it's difficult to see how these banks continue to, to grow earnings, grow return on equity, grow dividends um, in this kind of environment. And it's probably been like this for a while, but it's even getting more challenging for them, particularly when you consider they've got to you know, take on a lot of capital expenditure, improve their tech networks um, yep. and, and infrastructure. So I'm struggling to get overly excited by the banks in this environment. Right. All and of them, not, not of just them. the regionals. And then regionals are even less so, right. um, just given the fact that you know, the cost of funding is higher, the competition's yep. intense, their margins tend to be lower. 
um, and their diversification of client base and mortgage book is also right. inferior. So not excited in my So you wouldn't be looking at them if you're in them. Now, depending, mm. a lot of people have been in there for a long time, so it depends on the tax situation and all that sort of yeah. stuff playing into it. But if, if that no, none of that played into your decision, would you be switching out of banks? I would be selling out of um, Bank of Queensland, definitely. Right. Um, also, banks in general. I mean, we've been, we've had clients with very low market or very low portfolio weightings relative to the market for a number of years. We don't hold any banks in our managed funds. Obviously, right. clients, some clients do, given that long-term exposure. But in the case of Bank of Queensland, I doubt you've got many capital gains, <laughs> to yeah. be honest. Yeah. Uh, and the fact of the matter is, most of the attraction from banks, in our opinion, is from a growing dividend. Yeah. And dividend per share has actually been falling for a lot of the banks. So you look at, I, I, I've gone on about this a couple of times, you look at what you can get on a bank bond, Commonwealth Bank bond with three to five year maturity, you're getting five and a half, six percent. Right. When you're getting dividend yields of four percent in the case of yeah, uh, CBA. So I just don't think the risk rewards are attractive drugs. at the moment. Okay, because it used to be the old adage, Francesco, that it was always better to invest in bank shares than any products that they offer their clients. Not so much now. Um, yeah, no, I wouldn't be as negative. You know, oh, look, Bank of Queensland. I'd, you know, our analyst is a little bit positive, and I'd be probably more neutral on on Bank right. of Queensland. So if I owned it, I'd hold it. Right. I wouldn't be rushing out to buy it at this point. In, in time, yeah. Look, dividends have fallen, and, and look, you know, the dividend they announced was was you know a cent below what our analyst was expecting. Uh, earnings per share was below about six percent below where our analysts were expecting. So, so it's missed the mark. So, I, look, I wouldn't be surprised if the analyst overnight um, adjusts his no. recommendations. But just, I think across just just for Bank of Queensland or across the board, do you think? Uh, probably just for Bank of Queensland right. at this stage. Um, you know, our, our house tends to be fairly. Um, neutral on the bigger banks or to positive on the bigger banks just because of the nature of you know conservative clients tend right. to hold a, a large part of their portfolio in, in the banks um, I agree with Michael look I think we're at probably top of the cycle net interest yeah. margins you know we've seen rates you know ca- cash rates rise um, banks tend to obviously move on on loan products more than they do on deposit products so yeah. that gives them that interest margin opening up the jaws, but we'll probably see rates start to slow down a bit, if not flatten out, um, and then the next, you know, maybe in a year, year and a half's time, it might be downwards. So the market's trying to look ahead right. to where the where those rates are going. Um, and, and as Mike said, there's not a lot of growth in, in, in lending at the moment. Um, I think we'd have to see the property market settle down a bit before we start to see anything go okay. on there. So, so I'd be neutral if I owned it. Uh, I wouldn't be chasing buying right. it though. Um, okay. But the share price moving down, you know, always makes it look a bit cheaper, but you know, it might get a bit cheaper again. Yeah. Uh, sometimes that looks cheaper for a reason, does it? It does, yeah. No, you're right. With 100%. the market. But yeah. uh, uh, well, we've got Macquarie coming up later this half hour. It'll be interesting to see if it's an outlier still. A lot of people say it's an outlier in the banking sector. Is it still? Uh, we'll find out in a few minutes. Um, first stock for, that you'd like us to have a look at, um, Francesco Keith wants a view on PointsBet, the uh, licensed bookmaker um, here in Australia, United States, and also Canada. It was one of those floats, a couple of them that came on at the same time of these uh, uh, bookmakers, didn't they, to try and take advantage of the, the deregulation of the US market. Yeah. 
pretty mm. crowded trade though these days. Sure there's is. a lot of competition around there. Yeah. You know, barriers to entry, you know, reasonably high because there's a fair bit of development in you know putting one of these online betting agencies together. But once once you've got the the system set up, I, you know, I think the barriers are pretty low. Um, so yeah, it's a pretty crowded environment. And look, our, our guys are positive, but I, I, you know, I'd say on a speculative basis it might be positive. But you know, they just recently sold the US part of the business, and yep. I think that's where all the growth is. So, yeah, look, well, that, that's why it floated. <coughs> was it? That's why it IPO. It IPO to try and uh, to invest in the in US, the US. Um, and then someone's come along and bought it. Sixteen dollars so, twenty-eight. Yeah, yeah. Not that long ago. No. Yeah. 77 cents. So look, you know, if, 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 if you like that side of the business, then it'd be a speculative trade to me. Um, but I, I, yeah, personally, if I'm putting together a portfolio of quality stocks, it wouldn't be in there, that's okay. for sure. Right. Yeah, if I look at gaming, I'm looking at things like Aristocrat, you know, yeah. which I think we're which talking about. Which is coming about. up. Yeah. Yep. Michael, would you go anywhere near it? Yeah, frustrates me immensely. It's probably uh, one of my biggest missed opportunities ever and that we Got in around at dollar seventy two dollars and rode it all the way up and then much of the way down. We still end up doing okay, but when you go from a, a ten bagger potentially to a you know a nothing too special, um, yeah, it's a frustrating story because when they first moved into the US, they were there early on. Yep. Um, and in some cases, they had market share of in excess of ten percent in various states in which they were operating in. But the problem is over time, their market share just continued to decline quarter after quarter. And essentially, they just didn't really have the marketing budget to compete with a lot of the larger And you need players. a massive one, don't you? A massive one. So but it, it had to do with NBC, didn't it? Sports it. and with the NHL. Yeah. And that everyone thought, ah, it's going to differentiate. It was sort of like a contra deal in, in the end of the day. So yeah. they get free advertising, giving up a stake in the business. Yeah. That was... That sent it to the stratosphere, but then after that, it just struggled to deliver. And as others entered the market and other states opened up, their their percentage of the market share was ended up being yep. you know sub three percent. It's a very cases. strange regulatory requirement over there. You got to yeah. get approvals state by state. Yeah, that's right. Um, which is challenging. Yeah, yeah, there's not a national. No, and then yeah, and then you've got to keep spending and spending and spending yep. to try and maintain your position and being a relatively small Australian business. They just didn't have access to those. Yep. capital wells um, so now they've hived <laughs> off that US business and now they're left with the Australian business which is a very mature market as far as gaming mm. goes very competitive <laughs> and you'd have to think it's far less exciting investors did end up getting a dollar a share roughly in cash and that's I think now hit investor bank accounts yeah um, so the share price you see today isn't fully reflective of what shareholders right. have achieved from it but Still, I would. So at a dollar seventy-seven. Yeah. Uh, if you add the dollar into yeah. the share price, <laughs> that's it's, right. Still. So look, I, I'll probably go a hold, and I don't think it's going to collapse or anything from here. But right. it's not the exciting growth story that it once was. Okay. So. All right. So a hold. Um, all right. Uh, Jordan wants a view on Santos, our big uh, gas and oil producer, that of course is. Been in the focus the last week or so with the issues in the Middle East. Uh, Michael, what's your view on Santos? Yes, so we like energy as a whole. Um, You look at sort of OPEC production has been coming down, Saudi Arabian production has been coming down. And even though they have a stated target and that stated target has been falling, the actual production numbers have been lower than that stated target. You've also got a situation in the West where Western-based oil companies have cut their capex by about 20, 25%. Um, so 
we think that the supply demand dynamics are actually quite favourable um, mm. at the moment for, for energy. Um, we also think that energy historically has actually done quite well in inflationary environments and we think it's a part of the market that you want to have exposure to in this sort of environment. And looking at Santos more specifically, that is our preferred pick. Um, oh. A lot of people prefer Woodside and Woodside's yeah. certainly been the, the better company over the last decade, but Santos has done very well after they were in a very tough situation, probably five, seven years ago now, where they had a lot of debt, a lot of US dollar debt when the Aussie dollar was falling. Um, they managed to get on top of that debt situation. They've built up a big capex profile, which should hopefully see their production build up over time. And it's conceivable now within you know five years or so that they could be producing more than Woodside. So they'll be the biggest producer mm. in Australia. Um, and they'll also be spinning out a lot of free cash flow. Uh, and they already have seen free cash flow pick up a lot. Their dividend per shares picked up a lot. So if they can continue to deliver these projects on time, on budget, we think that Santos offers more upside and a better growth oh, trajectory. Right. Um, it's not that we think Woodside's terrible. We just think Santos, obviously a bit higher risk, but yeah. if they can pull it off, it'll be pretty attractive, we think, for shareholders. So, so got these buy levels, on buy on these, okay. Uh, Kevin Gallagher, of course, Chief Executive of the footy the other week, was telling me uh, not just about their, their, what, their blue hydrogen, I think, rather than green yeah. hydrogen, but they, they have a um, carbon neutral natural gas they develop now. The issue is it's twice the cost of normal, yeah. <laughs> normal natural gas. <laughs> they do talk up those green credentials. <laughs> uh, I don't know uh, how yeah, much yeah. it's impacting the business at this stage, but yeah, it sounds... Look, look yeah, I'm with yeah. Michael. Well, there, look. What do you I, reckon? I, I, I think it's a, a, yeah, a good good investment in the oil and gas space. Um, to Michael's point, you know, our analysts are saying they're expecting to double their um, uh, production to about 180 million barrels uh, or of oil equivalent uh, by 2028. So, so that's you know quite a significant mm. jump in production. Obviously, maintaining and not costs. Far off, eh? Gallagher's been very good at stripping costs out of business when he first yep. got in there, um, and 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 maintaining those um, costs uh, to not grow out of control either. So, so I think um, you know as long as he stays in the helm, that um, that's will his be quite Scottish blood. Yeah, he'll be a little bit tight on every yeah. penny. <laughs> He admits that. <laughs> uh, there's nothing wrong with that no, if you're running a company of this nature. So um, look, I'm I'm with Michael. We're we're positive on the on the outlook okay. for it. Um, yeah, I'm not negative Woodside just like them, but we on a growth perspective, I think there's more growth in that than Woodside. Uh, we're production by 2028. That's 2028's not far away. It's not far it? away. Yeah, to yeah. actually double. That's we're, big growth. We're, we're, I just got told outside that we're in October in 2023 yeah, yeah. already. <laughs> <laughs> now we're sounding really old. Um, okay, so. Uh, buy on Santos as well. Yes, happy with Santos, definitely. Okay, uh, Phil wants a view, Francesca, on the Beta Shares Australia 200 ETF, investing in the uh, uh, ASX 200. ETFs, of course, um, really popular with uh, with retail investors who want to just yeah. sort of Look, take, I, I like, take that I like these um, instruments for people to get access to markets in at a broader yeah. market. Just so look, you know, for, for people that are looking to get exposure to the to the basically the ASX two hundred, that's what it invests in. Yeah. Um, you know, beta shares is good. Uh, you know, good quality manager, I suppose. But the, you know, they're not they're not trying to. Um, um, outperform markets or anything like yeah. that. Um, they just buy the stocks that are in the index. And the so fees it's a pass- are tiny, aren't the, they? Because yeah, it's passive. The tiny need to do much yeah. work. So slim fees. <clears throat> um, stocks held uh, directly. It's not 
you know, they're not trying to create the index through some sort of derivative structure right. or synthetically. So there's no leverage in there. No, there's no leverage in there, but also there's no risk in that, you know, if something happens, you know, the assets actually exist. Because yeah. some of these exchange traded funds, not so much here in Australia, mostly in the US, but sometimes they create the underlying assets with derivatives. So they're synthetically creating. So if something implodes, you know, these these structures get tested through some sort of market anomaly, right. which happened during the GFC. Yeah. Some of these structured products got tested. Um, then you know the underlying assets are physical assets, and they're right. there. So you know if it all wound up, then then you know those assets so are it's physically. That's a pure it's a, share ETF. Yeah, exactly right. So so yeah, we use it for people mm. that um, not okay. so much the two hundred, but you know those that have got limited assets that want to get that sort of level of diversification. Then these are great instruments yeah. for that. And what you see is what you get. If the market goes down, it'll go down. Yeah, yeah, market exactly. goes up, it'll go up. Yeah, and like you said, the fees are very low on these sort right. of instruments, yeah, and it's passive investing. So if you want that, that's a good yeah, one. Yeah. Michael? I think this could be, yeah, the lowest cost ASX 200 um, ETF. I think it's 0.04%. So as you say, to get that broad exposure, um, you won't get you know much cheaper than that. A lot of these ETF companies, they'll use the basic index ETFs as sort of a, not a loss leader, but a way of getting people interested in their business. And then maybe they can yeah. cross sell the thematic ETFs or the commodity ETFs where the fees are slightly higher. Or stock lending as well. That's right. It's a very easy and convenient and good product, we think, yeah. in general ETFs. But then you've also got to understand what is the underlying drivers of the index. So at some point, you know, the, the ASX is very dominated by banks and miners. Um, if we do go through a bit of a, a mining boom, like many of the market thinks, such as Regal, for instance, um, then the ASX will do quite well. Um, on a relative basis, looking at the US compared to Australia, you know, the US has obviously got a lot more tech names. So if you have a view that growth companies are gonna do well, then you know the US market will likely do better than the ASX, like it's done over the last decade. But that's not always the case. And if different dynamics are at play, different markets can perform differently. Um, the only other thing um, with this particular ETF is that I'm losing my train of thought, yeah. um, is that, yeah, you've just got to understand also the valuation. So at the moment, the ASX trades on about 15 times earnings, 16 times earnings. In the US, it's about 25 times. So the expected return based on historical PEs, you would think it's a lot higher for the ASX than the US. but. Yeah. It is a good way to get that broad exposure, but always yeah. try and understand what the underlying dr yeah. drivers of the performance are. What, what you're are. saying is the ASX 200 doesn't represent represent the entire market, does it? It's mainly 25% banks and... of banks. That's the big four banks alone. Yeah. So yeah. you've got to just keep that in mind. If banks have a tough run, it's going to be hard for the ASX to And BHP's to do well. worth, what about? BHP's a huge chunk. 10%, 10 by 11%, itself. Yeah. yeah. Four okay. banks, BHP, Rio, Woolies, Coles, Telstra. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much covering a lot of the index yeah. in, in weighting. That is, yeah. there's 200 stocks in there, but on a weighting basis, it's not an equal weight. It's not equal all weight. Yeah, it's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, speaking of banks, uh, Michael, you're not interested in any banks. Uh, Mary wants to know: Is Macquarie different? Macquarie Bank, which is yes, everyone so, says Commonwealth Bank's like a a supercharged. Old credit union because it's just in the home <laughs> mortgages and the others are the big four true. banks, uh, big mortgage, but um, Macquarie is more like an investment bank. Macquarie is a diversified investment bank or investment yeah. house. They've got a large asset management business with a lot of infrastructure assets that they manage, and that's more of an annuity style business. Um, they had a very good year 
not last financial year, but the financial year before, FY22. Um, their commodities business has had a, a big pullback after benefiting a lot from the big jumps that we saw in commodity prices around the Russia-Ukraine uh, war going back that period of time. They are making some good headway in the mortgage market, residential mortgage mm. market, and are really establishing themselves as a fifth pillar in that space. Their, their interest margins have been very, very good, but it is a challenging environment for Macquarie because they also have an investment banking, Macquarie Capital arm of their business. Deal flows dried up a lot. It's hard to originate deals. There's not a lot of block trades going through or, or different capital raisings, etc. So the commodities business is struggling. The mat capital part of the business is struggling, but they do have a diversified business model. And I think in the right environment, they'll do well. But it's, I think they've downgraded twice in the last sort of three to six months, which, which is very is really unusual. unusual for Macquarie. Yeah. So that's just a good indication that the environment is challenging and it might take some time to improve again. But we do hold it for clients. We do have a small weighting in the managed fund. We are looking to increase that over time. But for now, I, I don't think it's going to start to charging, but it's right. a, a decent proposition as seen. Good growth in dividends, good share price growth, and the business is a lot more diversified than it used to be. So do you hold it if you're I in? I would hold it. It's um, right. it's a decent hold, but it does give you opportunities sometimes to to buy off volatility, and it's not averse to drops of you know, 15, 20% sometimes. Yeah. So it's your only bank it's, in your yeah. portfolio? I suppose you could call it a bank, yeah. We yeah. call it diversified financials. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that, well, that's where it sits that's in the uh, in the sector right. yeah, know, categories, a... anyway. Is a diversified financial rather right. than a bank, um, and uh, ultimately, it's a it's a it's a different entity that it used to be when when the GFC hit. You might recall when the GFC hit, the share price went down significantly to about seventeen dollars, um, and that's because they had a lot of asset management within there that um, was revalued by the markets. Well, they um, had infrastructure funds. A lot they of infra had everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. But they're highly geared too yes. within it. Um, they have a lot of infrastructure in there now, but not as geared. Yeah. Um, and and the market tends to like that because they're highly sought after assets. A lot of the ones they have, um, we, we're we're neutral on the stock. We've got to hold on it. We maintain it in. Some of our income portfolios. Surprisingly, you know, you're yielding four and a half to you know percent, um, forty percent franked. That's not to be sneezed at in this environment, um, particularly out of a you know financial institution like Macquarie. Um, I, I like the way they run the business; uh, it's managed well. Um, but is it time to be buying it? I, I think um, not quite yet. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. So a hold on Macquarie as well. All right, uh, our fifth stock, the uh, final one for this half hour before we take uh, a half-time break, if you like. Uh, Aristocrat Leisure, uh, Francesco, Leanne uh, wants a view on that, the uh, the big poker machine manufacturer. Yeah, look, this is this would be our preferred gaming, gaming well. stock. Um, you know, it's a big blue chip uh, company. It's in the 200. Um, you know, it's made up of um, gaming machines, which are the physical machines. Um, and, uh, you know, about two thirds of the business, I think, is, you know, gaming machines. And then about a third is online um, Pixar, which is a lot of different online games and so forth. Um, look, it's been a the the leader in 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 poker machines and and slot machines in the US, uh, why I don't know I don't play the things um, but apparently um, I find them so confusing <laughs> I must admit 
you know how you just used to pull the handle yeah, down? Yeah, yeah. I, well, I walked by some at our local RSL the other day. They've got a, um, um, a good outdoor dining that we take the grandkids. And uh, I thought, I had no idea. I was looking out of the shoulder of a plate. I had no idea how he was working. It was stopping different reels and... In, in, a, in Australia, we're, we're, yeah, in Australia, we're much more sophisticated no, on that. You pay about 20, 30 lines in Australia. Wow. In the US, they don't play that many. Oh, okay. Um, a friend of mine owns uh, you know, some hotels and you know he's been to a couple of conferences in, in the US with Aristocrat and uh, yeah. he said that they, the game is over, the gamblers over there aren't as sophisticated as they right. are. Well, maybe, <laughs> but, well, um, maybe, you know, they're more like me. Yeah. <laughs> and look, you know, uh, from, the from, yeah. from, my, from my understanding is that, that um, you know, the, the way the games, uh, the, you know, that are set up, I don't know, that aristocrats, people who develop the games, tend to have a better outcome. I'm not sure what it is. Yeah. Um, I suppose it's a bit like anything, is, is if someone develops something that's um, highly sought after, um, yeah. you want to hang on to those people. So it is a bit of a people um, yeah. development sort of guy, um, you know, business as well. Where and we, we need to reinforce here, we, we don't include any ESG filters in our <laughs> yeah. opinions here. Yeah. That's up to you to decide. No, no, no we don't, don't, don't apply any ESG of that. Filter. Filter. Um, so so we, we like the stock. We're, we're at a hold at the moment just price-wise. It's had a good run. Price-wise, we're at a hold, but from the business point of view, they're quite good. Um, I did have a discussion with a hotelier the other day. Uh, they seem to think that Aristocrat's starting to lose a little bit of the gloss, mainly because the cost of their machines. So it's not necessarily the, co- the, the actual game. Sometimes the cost far outweighs right. um, you know, how much you're paying to, to get that game, if you like. So he, he was saying that, well, the cost of having those better games is, is a little bit... Um, inhibitive, if you like, right, okay. yeah. So, so maybe they're pricing themselves a bit hard, okay. but um, yeah, the business has been extremely good for a long time, mm. um, and um, yeah, we continue to see it that way. Okay, so got a hold on it, and I suppose state government decisions, as we've mm. seen in Victoria, do play into a lot of this to some okay. extent. I mean, aristocrat these days they get to maybe ten percent from Australia revenue; right. the rest is from around right. the world, North good America. Point. Um, and the North American market's been pretty robust. Um, we've seen the casinos in the US have been thriving. Um, the order books for, for aristocrat products have been very, very good. They've also established themselves in this social gaming, which is basically unrelated to real money games and unrelated to casinos, where they've got a good foothold and growing market share. They've also got online gaming going these days as well. So there's enormous untapped potential for them, we think. And we've held it for a long time. It's been okay performance, sort of been a steady performance, not overly expensive looking at the growth and the multiple it trades on relative to some other of these more tech related businesses. Um, so we're happy to have it as a quality buy, um, to be right. honest. It's a, a good business, a very good position in all the markets that it operates and a good growth potential, not so much from the poke machine business, but more from this online right. gaming. So, so you put it in that part of a client's portfolio, which is if you like your foundation stocks, you build the foundation. They're not going to, mm-hmm. may not be stellar performers, but they're good companies that have solid performance all the time, and you build on top of that. That's right. This is pretty much a core position. Right. Um, you know, it gives us a bit of diversification away from you know your CSLs and ResMeds and those yeah. sorts of businesses. 
um, and like some of the many tech names that we hold, but also it's just a, a solid business, been around for a long time, consistently yeah. delivered double digit growth numbers. Uh, and we do think that that expansion market that they're operating in has a lot more potential for them. They're also completing a buyback, which I think they've done 50% of, that's right. always helpful, yeah. and might have actually supported the share price over the last month or so when the rest of yeah. the market's been struggling. Okay. So you still buy at these still levels? Still buy at these levels, okay. yeah. All right. Uh, let's recap the, uh, the first five stocks so far here on the call. Five to go. Uh, Bank of Queensland was our stock of the day. A sell from Michael Hull from Francesco and Ords. Uh, Points bet, uh, a no from Francesco, a hold from Michael. Santos, a buy from each. Um, it is their preferred oil and gas stock here in Australia, um, above Woodside. Uh, the Beta Australia... Um, Australian 200, ASX 200 ETF for passive investors who just want to mirror the ASX 200, uh, both like the uh, the beta shares one. Um, you see exactly what you get, um, you hold the shares uh, and also fees uh, are tiny as well. Um, Macquarie Group, uh, a hold from both, an aristocrat, a hold from Francesco and a buy from Michael as part of the core part of your portfolio. Uh, here on the call, we've been tracking our own fantasy high conviction fund as picked by investment committee. The last investment committee meeting is on the platform at the moment, osbiz.com. Um, going into October, Abita Medical was taken out. It's waiting distributed between Solpats and Altium. Um, Altium was uh, taken out um, and 1% uh, taken out of Altium and Karun, some profits there in Prometicus and Paladin, and another 1% of cash was spent to add Camplify into the portfolio. And the portfolio is up just under 8% at the moment. Uh, this half hour, Origin Energy, bit of action around that in the last week or so, EVT, um, Hub24, Technology One and Paragon Care. Francesco, Maddie wants a view on uh, on Origin, our second largest power generator, which the ACCC gave their uh, approval to a potential takeover from Brookfield. Yeah, look, this week. Initially, when they made the bid, it was nine dollars, I think it is, or, or, or somewhere around there. Um, People thought that was great, but now they're starting to reassess things and look at it and go, well, hang on a minute, that might be worth a bit more than this. So yeah. um, whilst the ACCC's approved it, oh, it's gone above $9 now. Yeah. So um, I'd say that the market's probably anticipating that um, um, they're going to have to um, sweeten that deal a bit um, on origin. Um, if they walk away from the deal, look, I don't expect it to stay up at these levels. So we're, we're at a hold on this. Right. And in fact, you know, if, if, if you think they're going to sweeten the deal, um, I think it's about $9 or eight ninety. I think it is. Right. Um, how much are they going to sweeten it? That's the question. If you can get $9.20 for it, it might be worth, you know, at least if you've got a large position in it, it might be worthwhile taking some of that off the table. Right, just uh, cash in. Yeah, because if, if, if Brookfield walk away from the deal, you know it's going back to at least $8, I reckon. Yep, yep. Um, so, um, and, and that's always a possibility because they might say, well, you know, we only budgeted for, for $8.90 or $9. I can't remember if it's 8 or nine, eight ninety or $9. But anyway, um, we're at a position now where you can say, well, I know that, that you know, they're not going to come in at nine fifty, I would imagine. No. Um, so you might want to think about lightening your load. 
Um, but um, I wouldn't be buying it. No. Right. So hold if you own it. Right. But look at cash. Look at lightning some of, some of that. Yeah. A Triple C says that um, Brookfield are likely to speed up the renew renewable energy transition if they get their hands on it. Um, Michael, if you are Origin shareholder, what would you be doing? Um, it's a difficult one um, for the reasons that they've been touched upon. Um, I think it's a pretty good price, to be honest, for this offer. But the problem is there's Australian Super, which is the largest shareholder, I think, with about 15% or 14%. So they still need to come on side, really, um, and accept the deal before it gets over the line. Um, the problem is if the deal falls through, then you probably see a little bit of a retracement. So it's that catch, you know, 22. So we're always tempted in this scenario to take a little bit off the table just right. in case because the price increase is somewhat early, officially inflated um, because of what's been playing out with this deal. It was only a couple of years ago the Origin was struggling immensely. Um, yeah. Had a bit of a reprieve with the, what's been going on in the energy market, not too dissimilar from, from AGL. Um, Origin also bought 20% slice of a company called Octopus Energy, which is now merged as the second largest energy provider in the UK. And that's turned into a pretty decent, chunky asset for them. So that's interesting. You've also got to keep in mind what's going to happen with um, Earring or Earring um, power station. I think it's slated to be closed, but they were sort of liaising with the government to maybe push that out. So they're getting the earnings from 26, 27 as well. So there's all those moving factors. They're quite complex businesses, a lot of variables. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go a reduce, right. a hold reduce kind right. of thing. If you've right. been in it, you've done well. I'd certainly have to take some off the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you want to keep some skin in the game just in case there's this even sweetened offer to get Oz a super yeah. over the line, which they might need to do. Yeah, and and also just the energy policy playing this. Yeah. Like like governments go renewable, renewable. Um, uh, coal-fired power stations, horrible. When they're about to close, yeah. the government goes, mm, well, we actually need them. Another for five our, years out of them. Yeah. For our yeah. baseload power. We really don't want you to close them now, <laughs> even though publicly they're going, oh, we hate the things. Yeah, and that's all ongoing at the moment. And, and the worst yeah. thing about that is that It'll the companies that manage them, they, they reduce their maintenance on a lot of those projects. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they go, well, we'll give you another five or 10 years. Yeah. Well, they've got to invest a bit more capital in it yeah. to actually get another five, 10 years out of it because they haven't invested in it I've along got the way. Because the electricity market, you can trade the electricity. I've got a mate who sort yeah. of works out and he goes, you would not, he reckons on any one day, there wouldn't be one power station that is fully up and going. There's always a problem with part, you know, it will be 50%, 60% going yeah. because of these ageing issues of maintenance yeah. and a whole lot. It's scary when you think we only haven't built many new power stations oh, recently. No. <coughs> oh, no. And we're all relying on the, the, on the old infrastructure. Yeah. All right. Um, our next stock, uh, Angelo wants a view on EBT. And I must have thought, what the hell's EBT? Uh, but it's uh, renamed uh, Event Hospitality and Entertainment, yeah. as, as we know. So the marketing gurus got in there and said, let's shorten it to EB and add a T on the end of it, maybe hoping to get the electric vehicle. No. <laughs> um, but uh, they're into cinemas, they're into hotels, restaurants, theatres. Uh, they own event cinemas, Greater Union cinemas, Ridges Hotels, QT Hotels, and uh, Threadbow as well, which I hear um, they're 
um, expanding Threadbow with um, a new property deal through there. Uh, Michael, what do you think of EBT? Yeah, interesting business. Um, its balance sheet is very conservative. The balance sheet is also quite deceptive. Um, they've got about $2.3 billion worth of property on their books, but the market cap's 1.7, 1.8 bill. No. So many suggest that there's a bit of value to be unlocked with this company, but the problem is it is tightly held and probably gets discounted as a result of that. Um, the earnings tend to be lumpy. They did have a lot of exposure, and they still do, to the cinema business. That's really sort of the kicker for them in either direction in, in any given year. Yeah. Cinemas were obviously in structural decline, but there is signs that that's probably plateaued. It's more of a, an experience now to you know, go out, mm. go to the cinema, get in one of those big chairs, get all your food and stuff. So that's sort of stabilized <laughs> a little bit. Um, and they've obviously got a lot of exposure now to hospitality. They've got a lot of bars and restaurants as well. So it's pretty well diversified, but probably not the most exciting business. And the reality is the market would probably argue there's a lot of value to be unlocked um, with different asset sell downs or better utilization of assets. And they have been doing that. The old cinemas on George Street, they owned yep. you know, those. And there's big developments that have gone on. Uh, there off the back of that, but it's probably being treated a bit as a property company at the moment. You've obviously seen real estate investment trusts come down immensely, and you've sort of seen the same sort of thing play out with event, not to the same extent, but it's definitely trailed off, whereby higher cap rates mean lower property values. Yeah. But that didn't play out. They actually revised up their property values in their most recent updates. So yeah. it's Because um, I was reading during the week that they're turning part of the golf course into 180 residences or something yeah. down at Threadbow. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. Um, it's probably not the best thing to have a golf course that's out of action half the year. Yeah. <laughs> so probably exactly better right. utilise that space and, and get some some properties on there. But yeah, it's not it's not the worst business in the world. I just don't no. think it's that exciting, and it's not going to necessarily take off unless there was a major shake up in the ownership structure, etc. So no, I'm going to go. Yeah. I'm going to go a hole. Oh, I don't think okay. it's bad. Francesca. Yeah, I, th I think they changed the name because of the diversification because it used right. to be event cinemas. Yeah. And that's where it sort of originated from, just yeah. purely cinemas. Um, yeah. And then they've invested in a lot of other uh, hospitality-type businesses. Um, look, our, our analysts, and I think because of the valuation um, side of it, as Michael mentioned, that the you know the underlying asset valuations are, are, uh, are higher than where it's trading at. Um, so he, he's got a positive recommendation on it. But... You know, it's one of those businesses, you know, unless you're really confident in the the hospitality side of things, because it does trade on a fairly high multiple. I mean, on the earnings basis, I'd say no. You know, yeah. it's trading on 21 times for next year. Right. You know, that's based on an analyst who's got a buy recommendation on it. Right. So um, he does have earnings growth, you know. Uh, you know, that, that PE comes down to 18 to 15 times over the next couple of years. Um, so, um, you know, he has some, some positive prospects for it. Um, the recent ski season was pretty weak, so I dare say that they're anticipating a better one next season. But it's like anything, you know, the, you don't know until it happens. Um, and, you know, the share price will react on a, on a good season. Um, so you're probably behind the eight ball on that. Um, look, if you own it, um, the way the share price has moved, I'd probably think that there's a little bit of value in it, but um, not enough for me to go out and buy you know, a position in it. Um, so I'd, I'd be saying hold. Hold as well. Yeah. Okay. 
All right, our, uh, our next stop goes back to the financial services area. Chris wants to view Francesco on Hub24, the uh, big investment administra- administration platform for <coughs> financial advisors and brokers, accountants, uh, clients. Uh, we talk about um, the decline of AMP over the last uh, five or six years as AMP and those sorts of uh, legacy fund managers and administrators have declined. Uh, the Hub 24s and net wealths have, uh, have actually taken their business away from them, haven't they? Um, yeah, well, well, Hub and, and net wealth for that matter are, are platforms. So, so yeah. ultimately they're agnostic, if you like. You know, it doesn't matter whose funds that um, they have on the platform. It's more, yep. it's the structure that they're, they're um, basically selling to, to, to investors and financial planners and the like. And they've done very well, Hub 24. and. Um, obviously, when they first started, you had um, obviously started from a low base. You get your growth is is significant, um, but uh, looking at some of the numbers that um, our analysts put out, you know they've still got significant revenue growth into 24-25, um, which which you know when you've got a system that's pretty much um, you know the initial capex. Um, was was at the beginning. Mm. Yes, there's capex to actually maintain it and and, and release yeah. new 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 type, new functions on it. Um, it's not as high, so so you're getting great leverage out of it. Um, it does trade on a very high PE. You know, for 2024, it's on about 36 times. But the growth that it's demonstrated over the last you know five years or so, um, I think it, it warrants um, a high PE. Um, we maintain this stock in in our model portfolios and in our SMA, um, and and you know we're we're happy to add to it on dips. It's had a really good run over the last mm-hmm. couple of weeks, so we'd probably uh, you know if we're looking at new portfolios, we might let that settle down a bit. But um, you know we still like the, uh, the 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 underlying business. We still like the way it's run, um, and on a price perspective, we're still happy to be buying it. Uh, buying it at these levels, yeah. yeah. Five-year high, Michael. Yeah, it's one we've been watching for a while, but never actually bought it. Um, we we do like the business model; it's quite capital light, um, and then it's very scalable. The more FUM they can just get on these platforms, the better for them. So not only are they growing their FUM over time with natural asset price inflation, but they're also getting new advisors on. I think advisor growth, advisor number growth was around sort of that seven eight percent. So you'd think over time you get new advisors on, hopefully those advisors are growing their business and it just sort yeah. of feeds itself organically. Um, they've, they've, I think their target's for sort of 90 billion on their platform by FY25 and they're progressing gradually towards that. Uh, their margins are, are very attractive once they get to those levels. So there's a lot to like about so these businesses. So they clip businesses. the ticket, don't they? They clip right. the ticket, and it sort of varies depending on how much a client might have on that platform. Yeah. But it can range anywhere between 0.05% up to 0.3%, and that's <laughs> just for sitting and not really just providing the platform and the access across different asset classes, etc. Um, that provides all the reporting in the back end as well. But as you say, these businesses really got a bonus from the fact that many um, advisors have become independents or started working for independent firms, left the big banks, for instance, left AMP, IOOF, all these sorts of things. And previously, all those platforms were provided in-house. Yeah. So now, independent advisors just use these platforms to administer their clients. So You'll find it, you find with a lot of these platforms, and there's a lot of them out there, is they some of them, they'll, they'll do one thing really well. Yeah, but so they might, you know, let's say platform X Y Z does um, direct equities really well, 
but it handles managed funds pretty poorly and, right. and term deposits and that. But then this other platform, ABC, handles term deposits and managed right. funds really well, but it does really poorly in in in, in direct equities. Uh, the, the the hubs and the and the net wealth because they're agnostic, they're, they're focused on providing you know those services right. across the board, and I think they're quite good at delivering that. Mm. Um, but you know, the, 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 there's a lot of capex at, at the beginning, um, and you get that leverage at the back end yeah. of it where you get a mandate from another financial planner or another big yeah. business and, and yeah. it all loads in. Sort of the marginal cost of having a thousand clients and having 10,000 yeah. clients isn't as much. They surprised yeah. recently with their cost numbers in a positive way and that's sort of part of the reason right. it jumped and it's okay. also next year's guidance was better than expected. I'm tempted to go for a buy, but I don't hold it for any clients. I don't hold it in the fund. Right. But um, it's a it's a hold with a, a, a buy. If it breaks out above this level of resistance where it's sort of been over five years, I think it can take off. Okay. All right. Uh, hold on the Hub 24. Um, Michael Elise wants a view on Technology One. Probably... Now, if you talk to Rudy Philippe Van Dyke from FN Arena, he would say Technology One is the number one tech business in Australia. He's their biggest fanboy. Um, software for mainly educational local government uh, segments is an enterprise software That's uh, based right. in Brisbane. It's been a great performer. Yes, yeah, so this is a business we've held for a long time. It's top 10 holdings in the fund. Um, it's a very high quality business, very high client retention rate. I think it's like something like 99% or something along those lines. Um, they've got, I think they turned profitable in 1992 and have been profitable ever since. The, the earnings growth has been very consistent. I think the market's expecting you know 10% per annum earnings growth over the next five years and that's compounded. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't be surprised if they do a little bit better than that. Um, they had a, a couple of issues going back probably four or five years ago now, which have been overcome. They had to had a big court case with Brisbane City Council about some of the some of the work they were doing for them. That's all now behind them. They've also gone through this tedious phase of transitioning customers to a more software as a service model. Um, so previously, I think they had five year service agreements. That's now rolled over to annualised sort of recurring type revenue. Um, and I think that's improved the quality of the business, but that was a work in progress. It took a, a, you know, a few years to phase mm-hmm. off your old clients onto the new system. So instead of um, getting the clients to pay, pay once a year, they pay, pay yeah. monthly installments now. Monthly installments. So I think that's great paying, for cash flow. Which is great for cash flow, good for margins, just that yep. line of sight of revenue. So we're happy to have a buy on this. Um, even though it is a tech business, it's an established profitable tech business that's been around for a long period of time with entrenched uh, customer base. So yeah, happy to have a buy. Francesco? Uh, we're the opposite. We'd be lightning on this. Uh-huh. Um, and, and, and look, Michael's right in what he says, um, a number of things there, you know, the, 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 the business is very sticky, so, but there's not a lot of growth for them, I don't see, um, in, particularly in this market here. So they're gonna do, you know, look elsewhere, as in Are internationally. Um, I think they're starting to look overseas. I'm not sure how much, but, but there's a lot of cap. They've got, they've got to spend a lot to, to, to you know, get entrenched in yep. foreign markets. So I think there's a fair bit of expenditure that has to come out of that. Um, 
The other thing is that, look, it's expensive. It's trading over 50 times on this year's EPS numbers. So, yeah, look, there's growth and that, that goes up to about, if that come, pulls back to about 46 times for next year. But, you know, stock trading on 46 times, all it takes is one little hiccup and, yeah. you know, that stock's sort of, you know, dropping 10, 15%. So I, I just think it's fully priced. Um, if you've been in it for a while, I'd take some profits off it and lighten, lighten the load a bit. So when you say lighten... And you're bringing it all up. Well, you do it in chunks of how much? Yeah, it depends on the size of the position. Mm. And it, you, know, you look at a position and you go, well, you know, if, if, if I've got a, a portfolio that's a million dollars and my position is 200000 in mm. Tech One, I'd be bringing that back to probably, you know, half or, or a quarter of what the right. size of it is. Because right. you've probably ridden that from where it so was. it's got out of proportion. That's right, yeah, and I'd be, I'd be bringing that back. But if, you, you know, if you're in a small portfolio and that's sort of, you know, a, a ten, you know 5 or 10% holding, then take take the profits, move on. There's other right. things out there that you can, you know, particularly at, the, at this sort of tech calibre where you can find, um, yeah, better returns over the long term. I think all the big gains in Tech One have been done, right. um, and I think it's fully valued there. Okay. All the thing right. I would watch with Tech One is is their margins. So their profit margins have gone from seventeen percent to thirty one. They're expected to keep growing towards thirty five percent. If you notice that those margins weren't growing as expected, oh, then I'll start to get just worried. A decent margin, isn't it? Yeah, and it's, and it's a growing margin the market always likes, and that's probably why it trades on that multiple. But Francesca's right. If you have any slip up, you're in big trouble. And that happened a couple of years ago. Okay. Uh, A final stop, Francesco. Kennedy wants a view on Paragon Care, the medical device company in aged care and healthcare products. Yeah, look, we don't cover this one, but I I like the look of it. Um, It's it's just changed the the jockey, if you like, the the new CEO. who, who's been appointed, um, I forget his name, John something. Um, he was previously head of the Asian business for them um, and is the largest shareholder at 90%. So oh. he's got a large he's bit of skin, skin in the game. game. There's a lot of director's movements over the last week or so or two weeks, um, but it looks like he, he's what actually- buying? Well, some were selling. So oh. yeah, um, but it looks like he's actually increased his position. So he, he got that position because he was the previous founder of Quantum Health um, which merged with Paragon back in right. 20, uh, February 2022. Um, so so it is a bit of a um, business where acquisitions have been sort of part of the headlines for them. But, but uh, you know, for a healthcare stock, I know I'm only looking at historical uh, PEs. We're looking at single-digit PEs eight, seven, eight, nine times mm-hmm. on a stock like this. Um, it looks like a well-established business. Um, it does have a number of various... Um, divisions, so it's not just equipment, there's devices and consumables on the healthcare sector. Um, it's obviously had a bit of a tough time through COVID and you look at their numbers going back, there was a bit of a drop off during 19, 2019, 2020. Uh, that seems to be recovering. So without any, um, obviously, ordinate um, um, recommendations, I, I like the look of it and I think um, it's probably worth delving into a bit more right. um, based on, on its earnings. If it can sort of continue mm. to deliver those that growth out of the, the dip from the, the COVID crisis, um, I, I, I think this is, you know... Yeah, Put you down as a nibble. I, I, yeah, look, I'd have a close look at it because, I mean, it wouldn't take much for that 18 cents to go to, you know, yeah. 40 yeah. quite in a, you know, in a hurry if they deliver some really good numbers. Okay. Michael? 
Yeah, Paragon Care, we invested in this probably six, seven years ago and did okay out of it. But it's been on this acquisition path for a long period of time. Basically, it's a healthcare equipment supplier and it's got a number of different brands and products under their stable. And they got themselves into a lot of trouble going back a few years ago now because they were going on this acquisition spree, just buying up companies left, right and center. They took on a lot of debt. And then as it turned out, a lot of those acquisitions that they took on were duds. There's no other way right. to say it, basically. And they've gone in, and the new management, I think, has come in and they've restructured the business and you know restructured a lot of that debt and, and managed to get on top of it where they're now you know, growing revenue, dividends being reinstated, that sort of thing. Um, but most of the revenue growth is still coming from acquisitions. I would like to see some more organic growth from a company like this because over time, if you just keep bolting on acquisitions, it's fraught with danger. And they've got yep. themselves into trouble once doing that. I just wouldn't be careful that they want to, that they don't manage to do that to themselves again. So I'm happy to go a hold on it, but it's not one I, I follow too closely, at least in, in more recent times. Right, okay. Yeah, dividend yield on it is 6.7% fully franked, you know, so oh. that takes up nine and a half. Yeah. Now, right. you want to be, you know, sure Make that sure you're going to get, it's, yeah, it's yeah, maintained, but it has been for the last couple of years. So right. um, after that sort of, yeah, oh, yeah. COVID and, and obviously some debacles with um, some acquisitions. Um, hopefully, the, the, this new MD is more focused on uh, delivering results rather than delivering yeah. you know, acquisitions. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's uh, recap our final five stocks: uh, Origin Energy, um, a hold from both Francesco and Michael, but they would be looking at cashing in a bit of uh, your holding at the moment because the share price is well above the Brookfield offer price at the moment that received a triple C approval last week or earlier this week. Uh, EVT, uh, the old events and hospitality uh, group, uh, a hold from both Michael and Francesco. Hub24, a buy from Francesco, a hold from Michael. Uh, Tech One, buy from Michael take some profits from uh, Francesco uh, because you've had a, a good run up and maybe the bulk of the growth has actually been in the price so far. Uh, Paragon, a nibble from Francesco and uh, also a, uh, a hold uh, from Michael. Uh, Francesco Strauss from Boardman, always great to see you. I think mate. a nibble's an official recommendation yes, exactly, these days, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. Uh, Michael Wayne from Medallion Financial, good to see you, Wayne. It's good to be back. Welcome Phil. back. Yes. Yeah. Went for the Rugby World Cup, had big, a good time despite what happened. Big finish field. to the year now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, if you'd like any stocks uh, for us to cover here, go to osbiz.co slash callpicks. Um, Put the suggestions and also add comments and questions around your suggestions. We love that as well. Or tweet us using the at TV handle. Stick around. The Pulse is next.